Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. Welcome, everybody, back to uh, this week's Faith to Go podcast. Uh, this is the week leading up to August 8th, or proper 14, if you're uh, following along in your liturgical calendars. We will be, we're still in John's Gospel, still in chapter 6. Wow, just really plodding along, slowly. Um, but before we get into the uh, discussion about the Gospel, uh, Charlotte and I always like to check in with each other about where we saw God this past week, which we hope you do as well. Because you can send us your God sightings or just reflect on it yourself. It's always a good practice. It's very Ignatian to think about where we felt God's presence moving in our lives and do that kind of reflecting. So today, I would love to hear from you, Charlotte, where you saw God this past week. Well, as I am sure many of you are doing, my house is avidly watching the Olympics, right? Um, it's been joyful to get to have that programming. Um, although I will say that my niece and nephew last night were asking me when we got to watch a movie again, because all we watch is the Olympics anymore. <laughs> but that's not my God sighting. That is not, in fact, my God sighting. I'm sure there's one there. But I actually want to talk about, as all the media currently is, Simone Biles. Um, because for me, the conversations that I have had with my family are a real and true reminder of God's presence in all of our lives. And the ways that God gives us courage is different at different times. The courage that it took for Simone to step away for something that she has always done and excelled at because she was not fully able to be present to herself in that moment. I just have to believe that God was with her in making that decision. And then as I watched the events unfold afterwards, and I watched all of her, not just her teammates that were there, but former gymnastics people, other people that she was encountered with, the temptation to judge someone to jump in and to try to think of either for good or for bad, what was in their head and, and why did they think this and why did they do this and all of that is a very real and human instinct. And yet every single person continued to name the fact that they couldn't know what was in Simone's head um, and to honor where she was and to stand in solidarity with her as she navigated this path. And none of them, or at least none of the interviews I saw, maybe there were interviews, but none of the interviews that I saw would people speculate as to what was next for her. They wouldn't. They were just firmly in that place with her a reminder of our call to be with each other in hard times, to not always try to solve them, but to just be there together and to allow God to be in our midst as we travel those roads. And then last night, late, um, Simone posted on social media um, that the support that she has received through all of this has helped her to know her worth outside of gymnastics and that she hadn't been able to see that before. That's exceptional that someone of that caliber, a human being of that caliber, not just a gymnast, that couldn't see their own personal worth without the skill that they brought to the table. And I have to think that maybe some of God moving in all of this was so that 
Simone could see how beautifully, wonderfully, and fearfully made she is as a human being. So cool. So we would love to hear from you, uh, any of your memorable Olympic moments. Any Olympians out there, we'd love to hear from you as well. And uh, we would also always love to hear where you saw God this past week, where uh, what you... Uh, what came up for you in your uh, week of discussion or reflection around the gospel that we're about to talk about, you can always email us, faithtogo at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, myfaithtogo.org, or you can contact contact us through or follow us on Instagram, at faithtogo. And we did have someone contact us on Instagram this week. Yeah. Our dear, dear friend, Hannah Wilder. Faithtogo All-Star. Faithtogo All-Star. Uh, drove, uh, went on had a nice road trip with her son Owen this past week. And so Hannah posted on Instagram and uh, tagged us and said, Owen just said he saw God this week in getting to catch up with Mary Lynn at the park in an in-person conversation. That's where Owen saw God because we were together at the park a couple weeks ago. So uh, there you go. Saw God in conversation and in-person presence and dialogue Thank you, Owen, and thank you, Hannah, for sharing that with us on Instagram. And we'd love to hear from you all. You can, again, you can post and tag us at Faith2Go. You can uh, direct message us, whatever you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. And now we are going to transition to our conversation about the gospel for this week. Uh, This is, uh, again, from Proper 14 in Year B. It's John uh, chapter 6, verses... Verse 35, and then verses 41 to 51. Charles is going to read it, and then we'll each share a point. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Then the Jews began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me, and I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets. And they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So, we're still in chapter 6 of John's Gospel, as you can tell. Uh, we've been in chapter 6 for last... This is the third week in a row, because uh, we heard... Just just remember that all these last three weeks of Gospels, all from the same chapter in John. So, I think that's a, an, a, an important thing to to pay attention to, that these aren't things... These aren't like disparate, disparate parts of the Gospel. Uh, three weeks ago, we heard uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000 and walking on water, right? Two weeks ago? Yeah. Two weeks ago, Jesus walking on water, feeding the 5,000. And then the next day, this conversation with someone who followed him back across the Sea of Galilee, where he first talks about being the bread of life. That was last week. And then this week is again, 
the bread of life conversation, him elaborating on what he means by that. And then bringing in, tying into the manna in the wilderness and coming down from heaven. So this is all happening uh, all at once. So this is just kind of like one continuous story unfolding and we're just hearing it over three different weeks. So just keep that in mind. Same place, same chapter, same gospel. Uh, and so Charlotte has the first point for this week. So mine, I actually am going to take directly from the beginning of this. And that's where we hear Jesus say, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And while I would love to unpack that in its entirety, it actually is something that this line triggered for me that I want to talk about today. And that is the very human temptation. (laughs) Actually, there's two of them. But let's start with one. The very human temptation to take the Bible literally. To say that whatever is in here is 100% the only way to receive and think about it. And if that was the case, there wouldn't be a Faith to Go podcast, (laughs) right? I'm not wrong in that because what we do each week when we come here is that we sit with the gospel, we wrestle with the gospel, we spend probably half an hour talking about the gospel before we hop on here to talk about it with you even further. And then maybe when we go home, we talk about the gospel with our families some more. And each of those times that we are talking and wrestling with the gospel, we are trying really hard to understand exactly what was intended in it, particularly in John. Let's just own that. David and I spent some time bemoaning the fact that we were still in John before we recorded today because John is a wrestle in and of itself. Um, But that is one of those really human temptations. The other comes directly from this. And maybe some of you have heard of prosperity theology, Um, but it definitely has to do with this section of scripture. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And as David and I were talking about it before, I went ahead and just looked it up. What is prosperity theology um, or prosperity gospel? It says it's a religious belief among some Protestant Christians that financial blessing and physical well-being are always the will of God for them and that faith, positive speech, and donation to religious causes will increase one's material wealth. But the struggle in that is that if that's what we choose to believe, if we believe that our belief is enough right? That our belief in God and Jesus is enough. And that therefore, when we are sick, we will be healed. When our finances are in question, money will fall down from heaven, like the manna that you're going to unpack for us in a few minutes. If we believe that we diminish God and we diminish our relationship with God, um, because it's not about material things. Relationship is different than that. Um, And free will is part of who we are as human beings. And sometimes we make choices that land us in tricky situations or that result in financial distress for us. And I can't believe that God is absent from my life when I am in financial distress, right? That I have, that that is a cause of my separation from God. I cannot, I cannot believe that. I believe that as I am there, that my friends and family who surround me with their love are an ever present sign of God with me, that when I can get quiet and I can pray, I'm not praying for money to fall from heaven. 
Well, maybe sometimes I am, but I know that that's not what really is going to happen. I'm praying for comfort and strength as I navigate those challenging times in my life. I'm praying for wisdom to make better decisions in my life. I'm praying that I can see God's will in everything that I am living and doing and being. And that if I only look at God as a miracle maker, as a solution to all of my problems, then I diminish God. And I diminish my relationship with God. And I think that that's some of what I saw and felt as we were talking about the gospel this morning, is that in that temptation to look to God, A, for prosperity, um, and to the Bible as a literal thing, that I don't want to. I want to talk about it and wrestle with it and pray. And all of those things that are hard and challenging because in that, in that I grow in my faith, I grow in my walk, I, I grow as a person, even when it's really hard. Yeah, and it's also like that way of thinking about what Jesus, these words here from Jesus about never being hungry, never being thirsty are just not based in any real life situation. There's, we, have, we have the experience that this is not true. Because Jesus was with a whole bunch of people who were really hungry and really thirsty, and he loved those people. Those people were important to him. And he's talking to people here who are very much not hungry and not thirsty, and he's really critiquing how they're going about their relationship with God and with one another. And he's part of a group of people who's being oppressed by extremely wealthy empire that has plenty of people who never hunger and never thirst. And, and they're also really destructive so so maybe we can move beyond that idea and so then if we move beyond that idea what what is jesus talking about and so it's like i just i'm struck by i'm struck by the this part in the middle um it is written in the prophets and they shall all be taught by god which I believe is a reference to Isaiah 54, which says, um, Isaiah 54, 12, 13, and 14, I will make your pinnacles of rubies, your gates of jewels, and all your wall of precious stones. And this is the part he's referencing. All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the prosperity of your children. In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. And from terror, for it shall not come near you. And I'm struck by the fact that this is from, this is, I, like Isaiah is a, is a, one of the big themes of Isaiah is this promise that things will get better. You know, that things will be, that things will be better. And here, there will be prosperity for your children. Like the thing that you're doing now will bear fruit for generations to come. That you're doing things not just for you, but for the people that have not been born yet. That we are responsible for the future. And, and it's always interesting when Jesus quotes Isaiah because it's, it's good to like read the other parts of the, of the reading around that thing that Jesus quotes. And it strikes me that right after that, uh, it's a, it's the promise is that there will be there shall be great prosperity for your children, in righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. And so I know that Jesus knows this 
Jesus doesn't just know that one line of Isaiah. I'm sure he knows the whole thing, you know. And it's just I'm I'm just wondering like what it means to Jesus if it's not just that because you know in the end nobody's actually eating his body, you know. And that seems to be one of the pieces that the that the people listening have a hard time with. <laughs> and he seems pretty clearly to be speaking metaphorically. So like what is what does it mean for Jesus then thinking about the promise of the future, the responsibility that everyone has for the future generations, that the promise that they will that oppression will be far from them, that fear and terror will be far from them. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So it seems pretty clear that Jesus is not, Jesus is talking about individuals, but in the end, it's about everyone. It's about the world. And so what is, what is the gift? What is the what is the food, what is the nourishment that Jesus gives with his body for all future generations, for all the world, for the sake of being far away from oppression and fear and terror? And, and that, that brings us to the question of like, what did Jesus, what, what was Jesus's mission, you know? And, and, and it's like, if we over if we over-spiritualize what Jesus was was fighting for, what Jesus was walking around trying to do, what Jesus was teaching, we kind of like lose sight of his of his, of his body, of the of the flesh that he gave for the life of the world, and so what he embodied was this sacred resistance. It was this resistance to oppression and to empire, and to injustice, that he took into his very body on the cross and it wasn't just it wasn't it wasn't the way that he went about it the promise for future generations the way that it it pushes back against oppression and also pushes back against fear and terror is that the way he did it was a was without violence and in and extremely relational and that like the way that that the way that we will, the way that we live into that promise, the way that future generations have lived into that promise, and the way that we can continue to live into that promise is to figure out the ways that there is still ongoing oppression. And through relationship and openness to change and our own uh, desire to learn and to be taught and to sacrifice that we can we can eat of that bread of life that Jesus was talking about himself being and that that will that that his example the way he went about doing it will sustain us into the future and that when we do that then we are living an eternal life because we are living in the breadth of life that Jesus wanted for everybody that Jesus wants for us now and so it's just like i think i think about I just think about that in terms of what we're trying to do right now in this place, in this time. We're not in first century Palestine, but we are in 21st century America. We have talked extensively about, you know, the ways that oppression is exists today 
we learn about racism. We learn about the systemic injustices of the world and of our country. And how do we go about this work as Jesus did with compassion and love and encouragement and, and remaining connected to people, which makes me think also, and maybe this is kind of a third ish point of like the way that he addresses the Jewish leaders in the beginning here, where they're like, how could this guy say all this stuff? How could he be the one come down from heaven? We know where he's from. He's blah, blah, blah. And he says to them, um, do, do not complain amongst yourselves. <laughs> do not complain among yourselves. And what the Greek, what the like, what the Greek words here are is like, don't why? What are you? What are you grumbling about? <laughs> you know, it's like this low. That word "complain" is like this low-level, like resent, like smoldering resentment kind of thing. Because it's clear they don't say it to him. It's clear that they they began to complain about him <laughs> to one another. Um, and so it's like. What, how, this is that. So, this is my, this is the point then is like Jesus, Jesus is being direct and clear, but also not hateful and mean and angry. He has his own moments of anger, but there are, they are anger at systems and injustices, not at individuals so much. And so, it's like, even in this moment, he's like, in his in the way that he goes about his ministry inviting people into dialogue he's saying instead of you all over there resenting me and getting all cranky i'm going to connect to you i'm going to keep my connection connection to you open so that we can be in dialogue you know and honoring the fact that sometimes the prophetic voice flips tables mm-hmm. right yeah. Like in all of that intention of respect and calmness and kindness and compassion and all of those other things that are so important that occasionally prophetic voices flip tables and that we have to allow room for that too. Because especially as we have traveled these last few years, some of the prophets um, have had to be loud in order to be heard and that we diminish their message if we judge the way in which they share it. We always got to be ready to flip a table. That's what I always say. <laughs> um, all right. So that's our three points for this week. Um, point number one was Charlotte's. It was a, bit, a, bit, a little bit of pushback against the prosperity gospel and the way that that kind of thinking uh, keeps us disconnected in uh, in our relationship to one another and to God. You know, it's it doesn't create invite us into that real kind of sense of vulnerability and intimacy and presence uh, that Jesus seemed most interested in. And that led to my point, which was point number two about Jesus's uh, desire for liberation. And uh, if we can move, if we can move into a thinking kind of like metaphorically about what Jesus is asking us to take from him, uh, the, the life that he is giving, the flesh that he is giving is this embodiment of this struggle for liberation and wellness for 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 all people for the world for his community of oppressed peoples and how can we uh consume that and let it give us life let it sustain us 
knowing that there is new life and resurrection even when we fail or when things look their bleakest. And then the third point uh, was a short point at the end there about how Jesus does that work while still remaining connected uh, to the people he is speaking truth to, to the powers to which he is speaking and inviting them into, into constant li- dialogue up till the very end. So having heard those three points, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your point if you have one. Uh, or multiple points. We'd love to hear anything about your faith discussion or reflection from this past week on this gospel, maybe where you saw God. Again, you can email us, faithtogo at edsd.org. You can contact us through the website, myfaithtogo.org. Or you can contact us through or follow us on Instagram, tag us on Instagram, at faithtogo, with any of your posts about your week of faith discussion or reflection or your God sightings. We'll be back next week. Uh, Charlotte's on vacation. Uh, but I will be here with someone, special <laughs> mystery guest. And um, we'll be talking about the gospel for Proper 15. Uh, and until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody.